Hi, just a quick content warning before we get started. There is a lot of murder in this episode as well as gruesome details, and there is mention of sexual assault as well as rape, so if you would like to click off this your time too, and if you'd like to continue listening, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Detectives podcast. I'm here by myself today. Just me. Just me. Hello. Okay. Where did y'all come from? And I'm just a figment of her imagination. (laughs) Wait a minute. I didn't see y'all there. (laughs) This is... Anyway, um, how's everybody doing? (laughs) Pretty good. I haven't been here for the past couple... Well, the past recording and we had spring break, so it feels good to be back. Excited. Good job, Brent. You showed up today. April Fool's. (laughs) April Fool's, I'm leaving. We're recording this on April Fool's Day, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Actually no if y'all wanted to know, it's all a joke. We're not going to say anything today. You know what? That should have been the theme of this podcast episode. April Fools. I don't know any true crime. April Fools. I would just tell like a gruesome story, and then I would say April Fools after. None of it's true. Wait, 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 wait! I'm looking it up. Shh. What have y'all been up to? Sean. Um, <laughs> as one does. Well, my hair is orange now. You guys can see that, but the people yeah, I like it. Not. Yes, Very I can. Cool. I I hope there's people out there who do not know what I look like. I wonder what None I look them. like to them. Don't worry, we'll post they... a picture later. <laughs> don't don't worry. Um, I've been breaking out in hives the last few days everywhere just in random spots today i broke out on my hands they're mostly gone on my hands they moved to my knees and my legs so if you hear me fiercely scratching tell me to stop because then they swell do you have like scabies or something (laughs) omg no i just um i think they're stress hives because i haven't been outside and i don't have anything new inside and also, when I get stressed out, my eye twitches. I don't know if you can see, but it's twitching. It's okay. When I get stressed out, I like I can't eat. I feel like I'm gonna throw everything up. Retweet. I felt that. I did, and then I started drinking a bunch of water, and then I'm like, I have to pee. I drank water today. I'm so proud. Good for you. Y'all can't I, see, but awesome. I flexed. Um, I need to be better at that because I'll just forget. I won't think of it. Brenna's pointing at herself. She wants to be me so bad. So true. Um, I don't have any like quirks like that or anything. Dehydration? <laughs> That's my quirkiest trait because I'm always dehydrated. <laughs> Um, I also can't I stop biting my lips. I, my... I... <laughs> no. Sometimes I wish Lauren didn't have her camera on. No, OMG. Maggie just called me ugly. Manifesting Maggie gets hives. Me too. I hope they... I'll I peel have one hives off. all the time. I'll peel one off for you. Peel? Yeah, I'll peel one of my hives off for you. Don't even worry. I'll peel one off for that you too, like Brent. 
Brynn, I'll peel one off for you, baby girl. I don't girl. think I want that. Oh. I'm so honored. <laughs> but you know what? I can have your DNA and I can plant it somewhere. Oh, you don't want my DNA. It has hives. Um, oh, that reminds me at work, we have to like clock in and clock out like with our fingerprint. And it makes me so uncomfortable. Like it will not let you like punch in your numbers anymore. You have to use your fingerprint. And um, it makes me really uncomfortable and I want to shave off my fingerprints. So I just, yeah, there's murderers who have done that. At my old school, school, we had to like get lunch with our, (laughs) we had to get lunch with our fingerprint. And it was just like, I was like, I'm not doing that. Like that's giving away too much information. The way that Bryn brought up murderers, bring down the mood again, Bryn. This is literally just a podcast about our lives. Yeah. Catching up. Yeah. That's the name. Catching up. Catching fire. Oh, how are your ants doing, by the way? (laughs) They're gone. They're all gone. I got raid. I sprayed them. I slept in the room with the raid fumes. They're not in my rain anymore. I'm so proud. Um, um, for all the all the listeners, I just lip bit again. Every time I'm not talking, I'm biting my lip with my big beaver teeth. Imagine oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, I think if I shaved off my fingerprints, they would make me do it with my toe. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, anyway, I I hope we have some cases today, guys, right? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I've had them prepared for three weeks. OMG. Okay. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. I'll go first. Mine's not very good. Well, it's OMG. good. It's Don't just, say that. I'm not good at telling stories. <laughs> um, so this is the case of uh, Davina. Buff Jones. She goes by D, though. D. So I'm just going to call her D. (laughs) So um, she was um, a 33-year-old rookie at this this island um, up by, like, I don't know where it's at. Um, North Carolina is this island. Called, just said Love Island in the um, chat. <laughs> um, there's this island called Bald Head Island. I'm not kidding. That's an island um, in North Carolina. And um, she's a rookie at the Bald Head PD Police Department, for those who don't know what PD means. Um, and she had only been there nine months but it was not like she did not enjoy her job um she you know she um she enforced like laws you know she um you know arrested people when they were doing something wrong right but everyone who lived on the island did not um we're not happy about that and she and she was regularly complained about um 
and she was treated poorly by not only the residents but also the um her like employees and employers like her coworkers and boss um and so she even filed a sexual harassment um complaint um against an emergency medical service worker um okay. which made people more angry because they yeah. hate women but it basically. made people more angry yeah yeah that's really just like the cause of all of these cases so um she was looking for a different job but then she died um so on october 22nd 1999 um favorite month uh she was she was just working like a patrol like um that night and at 11:48 p.m. um she advised like a dispatcher um she was with three people bald head island lighthouse i feel like everything about this island like who names that island bald head island um and there was you know they still have the um like recording i think you can look it up about like the last things she ever radio because they always have like you know a constant um recording of everything um 10 4 show me out with three stand by stand by please direct quote that's a direct quote everyone um and she was on an open open mic so that like the dispatcher and would know like if something was wrong because she was out there alone um and the um dispatcher could hear another direct quote <laughs> there ain't no reason to have a gun here on bald head island okay you want to put the you want to put down the gun come on do me the favor and put down the gun and then a high-pitched squeal then was like heard over the radio um uh you know after d like didn't respond to the dispatcher anymore or her partner um her partner uh officer keith kane um you know pulled up to where she was last and he found her on the ground next to her truck and she had been shot in the back of the head and she was dead um and so her her gun was in her right or like near her right hand um and so you know uh this is important to the story like he moved the her partner moved the gun closer to the truck um in case anyone that came around um and um another thing about this island was it was by a ferry, which took like 20 minutes um, to, to um, the island from the nearest coast. Um, and so um, after he called for backup, um, there was a fire chief and two EMS workers came to the scene. And obviously they, um, you know, they showed up and 
they took care of the body and everything, but the um, what's it called the um, detectives, like the det there were no detectives on the island, so they had to bring in other like police to do like the the like uh, what is it called? Like they they had to do the investigation, um, but obviously it took them twenty minutes to get to the island and um gosh um so all of this evidence was already gone because people had started to work on her she was dead and everything and so um so immediately after um the death was determined to be a homicide homicide um but then later on by the district attorney, um, like two weeks later, it was determined to be a suicide. Um, so there was like a, a bloody palm print on the back of Dee's truck, um, drag marks, um, blood spatters, um, and all of this stuff. And as I said, they didn't care about like con containing the crime scene. So it was all washed away, all of that evidence, <laughs> you know, fingerprints and everything. And so, uh, because what had happened was um, there was a family or wedding that was going to be happening in the area around the same, like a few hours later and like a prominent family and so they, you know, they, they were like, hey, can you just like, like, we don't want people to look at this, like, this is our wedding. And so they just, just cleaned it up. And that was horrible. I think it's like really bad. Um, and so um, the county sheriff, the Brunswick County, um, ordered that Dee's body was should be locked inside of an office um and then uh and then like at a different hearing by the North Carolina Industrial Committee um deemed the homicide I uh, deemed the death a homicide um that and they also said that the crime scene had been annihilated was annihilated it was destroyed um you know uh so she the chief the um police chief karen grasty um you know she provided her own thoughts on the case and she said i was horrified by the way the body was built but but the way the investigation was handled was equally horrifying i was shocked totally shocked i raised hella and sent home and was sent home. Um, but like, he, he was the one person trying to fight for the scene to be contained and then it was washed away. Um, and so they had deemed it a suicide because there was a gun near her hand, you know, and they determined that um the bullet was from her gun 
just because it was the same kind of bullet, like it was for a 40 millimeter and she had a 40 millimeter, but they didn't like match, you know how like you can match like, uh, what's it called, bullets to their own guns? They didn't match it, but um, they began, began um, investigating like later, years later on, um, uh, like in, I don't remember when, but they started investigating later on and they had a very long list of suspects as they do with unsolved murders every single time because, you know, obviously um, there's, they, they never come up with a, you know, a final suspect. But so there were lots of, this was a wealthy island. Um, so there was a lot of, I don't know if I can say this on the podcast. There was a lot of coke drug dealing going on, cocaine drug dealing. Um, and so she was always the one that was like handling that and like trying to get under control. Um, uh, and so there were like three guys who um, were part of the like drug trafficking community, I guess, or like drug dealing community. They found these three guys trying to escape the island at like 6 a.m. And they were questioned vastly and um, then released. Um, and then whenever the chief or like, um, you know, the guy who was the only one that was sane um, tried to re-interview them, um, uh, She was told, wait, what? Okay. I guess I used the wrong pronouns for her earlier, but she was told um, that they were good Christians. They would never do this. Like, why are you suspecting them of doing this? Um, so uh, she had found that um, the these men, these three men had criminal record over 48 pages long that's a lot of crimes you guys do a lot of crimes for 48 pages especially for good um, Christians. and to this day she's yeah yeah good christians sure. should only have two pages yeah yeah um but they had 46 more than that and she still believes that it was them um and to this day, um, and you know, after um, you know, a uh, after a couple of hearings, um, local, state, and federal, um, like all included extensive testimony by experts and people who were on the scene. Um, they all ruled the manner of death as homicide um and so like essentially the commission called the ruling of suicide by district attorney district attorney ridiculous um so that's great um that district attorney should not have been attorney for any longer after that but he was um so like even after all of those hearings that 
said that it was a homicide, he still called it a suicide um, and refused to reopen it. Um, he had, he still had questions about it, um, but he publicly stated, only God and Officer Jones knows what really happened. Which is such a North Carolina thing, thing to say is. Um, but, you know, maybe if there's a death, you should investigate it further than just saying, oh, well, this is God, God knows what happened, be able to ever figure out. Don't worry, guys. You must um, have God got us. <laughs> so, this is true. Yeah. So basically, that's the end of it. You know, obviously, there's a whole other things like that where, you know, people are telling the district attorney to reopen the case, but now it's been like how long like since 19 <sighs> a good while uh a long time a long time let's just say a long time like Wait. i think it's been 25 years um it'll be 25 years this year right no i'm trying to do math <laughs> what year is what? it it's been like 21 um, 22 years right so like 23 years this is not a math podcast let's keep going it was in 1999 yeah 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 so it's been 20 don't worry about i was right omg this is a math podcast anyway keep going 22 years the way i couldn't add one Um, to the year (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) so yeah so basically like you know district attorneys have been like people have been trying to take attorneys all along to like reopen it, but obviously with no um, like people who were there are starting to die off because they were older. Um, basically, just like lost hope, and it's really sad because um, D Jones's like the Jones family was really upset by her death, um, and so you know they had said that. If, um, if she had gotten a job sooner um, because she was applying for jobs, she would not have been killed. It's just really sad, I, I think. And <laughs> she was trying to do her job and got killed. And also, like, the way that yeah. everything was handled, like, with the wedding and stuff, when they, like, simply cleaned her up, um, it reminded me of the lady that, like, drowned in the lake with the barrel and they were like there was no barrel you silly goose not a single barrel inside oh yeah (laughs) but it's just sad like that she was treated that way Mm -hmm. by like her own colleagues yeah and then I think there's a strong chance that those drug dealers that the chief was talking about Mm-hmm. were the ones who did it but also like there were so many people on the island who hated yeah. her so it really could have been any of them so it really and... only is between her and god huh just kidding i know who did it <laughs> it was i think it was the drug dealer guys like i i feel like they had the most motive but i think if other people knew about it i think they would keep their mouth shut because they didn't like her which yeah it could have been a big conspiracy like people like planned it 
and also like the way that she called for people and they didn't help her in her own profession yeah shaking my head like her, her own partner yeah shaking my head as well um to move to a Sorry more that light that's all right to move to a more lighthearted case just kidding it's not lighthearted at all i'm stealing amani's case um she was gonna talk about she's gonna she was gonna talk about it this week but she didn't make it because she's doing homework we don't i'm in the same class and i'm not doing boo. it Come on, Amani. yeah boo i hope you're listening to this you know what i hope she doesn't listen to this and she shows up next week and tries to say this case and i'm gonna <laughs> stop her I'm going to be like, no. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to say a case since the week we had Mr. Yonda. That sucks. You can go next. Okay. I want to hear it. This <clears throat> has to be good. It's <clears throat> be good, Bryn. Anyway, if it's, not, if it's not good, Bryn, I'm going to cut it out. Okay. <laughs> Bren is googling another case percent. right now. Um, um, <laughs> anyway, okay. So, um, Imani's case that I stole is the Hello Kitty murder. You all know about it? No, no I don't I think care. I've heard of it. Bren, shut your filthy little mouth right now. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't even. Don't even say anything back. Keep my pretty name out of your mouth, Bren. <laughs> okay anyway it starts she's thumbsing me down anyway okay it all starts with a 14 year old girl similar to Bryn but Bryn is 13 (laughs) she said she was being haunted by a ghost of a woman but they didn't believe her why would they believe her um as a person who used to see ghosts, I wouldn't even believe her. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Who's they? Like her parents? The police department, her parents, kind of everyone. Even me. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so let's get started. In May of 1999, a 14-year-old girl made her way to the Hong Kong police station where she told officers for the past several weeks she's been constantly haunted by a ghost of a woman who was bound by electrical wire and tortured to death. Who can relate? Not me. The police were like, no, that can't be right. You know? And they they just, like, dismissed her claims. Because they hate women. I don't know. Um, they were interested, though, as you would be if you heard that coming from a 14-year-old child. Um, she explained that the ghost of the woman had um, was a victim of a murder. And they were like, you, y'all can't see, but I lip bit. Um, I don't think they lip bited at that. But anyway, um, they discovered that the girl's like dreams about this woman was like very, very real. They followed her back to her flat and they discovered a life-sized Hello Kitty doll with the decapitated skull of a woman inside it. Um, the cases... It was now named the Hello Kitty Murders. Anyway, so I believe, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, um, Fan Man Lee's life was tragic before she was decapitated and stuffed inside that doll. She was abandoned by her family as a child and she was raised in a girl's home. 
By the time she was a teenager, she had developed a drug addiction and she was turning to prostitution to pay for her habit. By 23, she secured a job as a hostess at a nightclub, but she was still battling addiction. In the early 1997, Ban Man Yi, still don't, not saying that right, I'm so sorry, uh, met a man who was a 34-year-old socialite. The two met at a nightclub and discovered they had something in common. He was a pimp and a drug dealer. Um, so they kind of became like, um, they kind of worked together and stuff like that. She bought from him later in 1997, desperate for drugs and money. She stole the man's wallet and attempted to make off with the $4,000 inside it. But she surprised she shouldn't have done that as soon as he saw like he got robbed. He enlisted two of his henchmen and intended to force her into prostitution for himself and take all the money that she earned until he was paid back. But his plan like got out of hand. Um, if you wanna look up the apartment she was tortured and murdered in, you can. It's very unsettling looking. Anyway, the drug lord and his henchmen soon decided that just prostituting her and taking her money wasn't gonna be enough. So they started torturing her. They tied her up. They beat her for over a month, suggest subjected to her various like pain ways of torturing her. They were burning her skin. They raped her. They forced her to eat human feces. Um, it was terrible, just like awful. Anyway, um, if the torture of that woman wasn't horrifying enough, the way that like the 14 year old and then like the police found her like stuffed inside of the Hello Kitty doll is also equally terrible and awful. Um, anyway, um, the 14 year old girl was involved with one of the, one of the men, one of the henchmen that was hired by the drug dealer that like she stole from and all this happened. And so like they found out about everybody like through her and it's so horrifying to think cause she was 14 years old and she was like already involved in all of that. Um, one time uh, she visited the man's apartment and she witnessed the man kick her in the head 50 times and then they had her join in. So like when she, she was um when she brought the murder to the police like when they found the woman in the hello kitty doll and then like they asked her about it like um she was not over she was not only like turning them in but she was also turning herself in and um she didn't say all like the extent of the torture inflicted by her but as part of her plea deal there was no like she she said like what they needed to hear and um when asked about them she replied i had a feeling it was for fun which is not good anyway after like about a month of torture they just they discovered that the woman has died overnight and they argued that she died from an overdose but it's it's pretty obviously that like it's her extensive injuries throughout the month that killed her um 
Anyway, they, they moved her body into the apartment's bathtub where they dismembered her. They cooked the individual pieces of her body to stop her from decomposing and emitting the smell of rotting flesh. And then using the body on the same stove that they used to cook dinner, they boiled the pieces of her body and disposed of them in the household's garbage. Which interesting. I didn't even because I was thinking about like how like someone didn't like smell it. Now I know why. Not taking notes. Anyway, um, her head, however, after they boiled it on the stove, they sewn her boiled skull into an oversized Hello Kitty mermaid doll and then stuck one of her teeth and several vital organs in a plastic bag also in the doll. Um, in exchange for protection, because the, the girl who like told them she was like seeing the ghost and stuff and then they went back and found the doll. Um, since she was 14, she testified against um, the man and his two henchmen in an attempt to get rid of like the haunting because she she thought it was like from guilt, which would make sense. Um, she detailed the torture that the three men had put the woman through. And then so many people, like when they hear the story, they just can't imagine it being true because it's absolutely so disturbing. But you can go look at the apartment if you wanna look it up. Um, it was full of Hello Kitty memorabilia from like the sheets to the curtains to all like the towels and the silverware and body parts from the woman was like found inside multiple of them like as trophies and it also revealed evidence that all like three men were abusing her during that month and then they couldn't determine like the actual cause of death we can all speculate that it was because of the abuse but because her remains were so destroyed from them like boiling and them cutting her up. Um, so yeah, they were convicted of murder, but not manslaughter because the jury believed that they had caused, even though they had caused her death, the death was not intended, which is quite strange. Um, the trio was sentenced to life in prison, but they have a possible parole in 20 years, it is like 20 years later, they're not on parole. Fun fact. That's good. This sounds yeah. horrifying. Yeah, like as they should be. My question is, uh, I don't know if you already addressed this in the beginning, but I know she said she like saw like a ghost was being haunted. Mm -hmm. How did they know like where this was? Um, they went back to her, to her, the apartment. Like, does the girl live near there? Like, how did she know where this was? Well, um, the, it was the 14-year-old girl that, like, she was already involved in that stuff. She was involved with one of the... Oh, yeah. There. Okay. Now yeah. I remember. Because I was like, wait. Okay. Yeah, that... I could not imagine going through that. And I saw... And I saw the image. Like, there was no, like, body parts or anything like that. But you still, like... It was just, like, the doll. But you could still mm -hmm. see them, like, dirty and stuff. And it was just, like... Yeah. Like, if you didn't know the background behind the photo, then you'd be like, okay, that's just a dirty doll. But the apartment yeah. was 
yeah dirty it's just like horrifying that she was involved in all this because i'm sure like i don't know 14 year old me was stupid but like she could have been groomed into that situation Mm -hmm. like there's so much like i just feel bad for her but also like not really could she also i'm glad she at least she was part well she didn't go to like report the murders maybe that was actually her intent when she was telling them but maybe she was scared I don't know um she did partake in kicking the the woman which is so terrible to think at she kicked her in the head around 50 times and that's only what she like said that she did um the dogs like um I just saw. I just saw someone posting their Snapchat story. I do not like dogs anymore. Omg, they're listening. It's live right now. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's a very sad story. It's very haunting. Yeah, it's very it's disturbing. The most, like, disturbing case I've heard. Yeah. Podcast. Especially imagining like the apartment with the Hello Kitty memorabilia. <laughs> I would hate to be at that crime scene. That'd just be so. I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I used to. Hold on, I didn't. Omg. That much. There was so much barking. Didn't mean to say um... that much. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, who um, had the? I used. I used to love Hello Kitty like stuff, and I still do. I mean. I'm just not as obsessed as I was mm-hmm. but like in like throughout my childhood like up until like sixth grade I don't know like that's just like I can't ever think about Hello Kitty the same way anymore Maybe like that Hello Kitty sticker on my water bottle it, it gave me chills when you're OMG and look, I even have a pencil bag. Shake my head. See, like, all I can think right now is just... So don't get you a Hello Kitty doll for Christmas? Do they even sell them? Um, maybe not. I think not. I've seen this before. No. It's, it's just Hello like a big stuffed animal. Mermaid doll. It's just a big stuffed animal, so I'm pretty sure you can find it somewhere. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Oh, they sell baby ones. They don't sell. I don't see any people selling the big ones. I wonder why. Hmm. OMG, there's Hello Kitty boots. Uh Oh, but they're dogs kill. Hmm. Anyway, Bren. Yes. Is this the moment that you've been waiting for? Yeah, but it's kind of long, so I don't know if it'll... Oh, it's fine. Okay, don't worry about it. Mine is... Well, I was going to say, but Lawrence isn't really connected to the ocean that much, but mine is. (laughs) And why Uh, did you say it? (laughs) Wait, what? What? No, I'm saying, like, mine is, like, kind of connected to the water, kind of like how Maggie's was, but I can't say it's, like, yours, because... Yeah, never mind. Okay. 
Wait, but the Hello Kitty mermaid keep, doll. Keep my pretty name out of your mouth, Bryn. Got it. Doll. This one happened in Craig, Alaska. I kind of like that name. It's a really small town, or it's a, it's a fishing village. This happened in on September like fifth or sixth of 1982, and Mark Colthurst um, and his family they were celebrating his birthday. Um, it was him, his wife, who was Irene, who was pregnant at the time, and he, his five-year-old daughter and his four-year-old son. And he had recently bought, <coughs> excuse me, a new fishing boat called the Investor, and so they were like, okay, like let's go celebrate and this is like a really expensive ship by the way I don't know how much it was but obviously it wasn't cheap I think they were gonna go like salmon fishing anyways but prior to this Colters and had sailed into the fishing town of Craig with his friend and four of his crew members Chris Heyman, Dean Moon, Jerome Keown, and Michael Stewart. All of the men and stuff were pretty young they're all like in their 20s or early 30s and on this day, Colthurst and his men were looking to get paid for a recent catch of salmon, but since the fish and game department was temporarily closed, they had no choice but to stay a while. So they settled down and they tied the crew investor and a pair of ships that were already tied to the dock. And those ships were called the Defiant and the Decade. This meant that anytime someone wanted to walk on or off the, the investor ship, they would have to pass the two boats and the other crews. So that's important to the story. Um, and they were unbothered by this short little stop, and the four young men and Coulters went separate ways. It's reported that the four men went to buy drugs, but it was never confirmed. Um, Coulters and his family, meanwhile, they went to a restaurant and left around 9.30 p.m. before returning back to their boat. The investor was tied to the decade. Um, and the, boat that, the boat that was, sorry, the boat the investor was tied to the decade threw a party that night as Coulters, his family, and his crew members were asleep. This would be the last time anyone on the investor would be seen in an identifiable, identif identifiable form. Oh my God. Um, and unknown to everyone, a man walked to the docks and entered the defiant in the decade to get on board the investor. No one on the decade noticed anyone heading towards the investor. It was not until the next day, September 6th, that the three hungover crewmen that were on the decade saw the investor slowly drifting away from the dock around 6 a.m. They saw a man on board and they waved. They didn't think any of it, and the man waved back, so they assumed it was Colthurst and went back, went back to their business. The, these three men had no idea that the investor was carrying people instead of fish that day. Sometime later, another ship witnessed the investor settle on an island a mile away from Craig. Once the investor was on the island, the investor's skiff, which is like, I had to search this up. Uh, don't quote me on this, my fellow boat people, but I think it's the big scale, scale, sail thing. No, it's not. It's like the, I don't know, you guys have Google. Um, some important part of the boat was used to ferry an unidentified man back to Craig. The man got off the the skiff. Oh, the skiff. It's the it's like those like little boats. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. And was seen by several people before he disappeared to go to a store. By this point no one had heard back from the crew from any of the crew members on the investor. Um, no one suspected anything. After all, the new fishing season just started, so they were probably, they thought they were just going to get like a head start. 
Not only that, but it seemed that a young man was going back and forth to retrieve stuff for the investor. However, this man was not retrieving supplies that Colthurst and his family had forgotten, but instead he purchased two and a half gallons of gasoline. The next afternoon, um, the man returned, and after he went to the store and bought the gasoline, he went back to the skiff and boarded the boat, covering the investor with gas and a renewed sense of boldness. Lighting the boat now, he returned to the skiff. Another ship called the Casino noticed that there was smoke coming from a ship and he headed that way and they had hoped they would arrive in time but they encountered a young man instead um, assuring that the crew of the casino assuring the crew of the casino that everyone on board was safe he calmly returned back to Craig to anyone who would listen this included the mayor of Craig at the time in an interview with People magazine Lee Axemaker said I saw the guy in the skiff he was a cool character he came up talked to a few people I made a phone call and left the man was never encountered again. He escaped really quickly and everyone was, was too busy like thinking about the fire to pay attention to him at all. The only feature that they remembered was his pockmarked face. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Meanwhile, the state authorities arrived and stopped other boat crews such as the casino from assisting. Because of this fire, the fire burned for 42 hours Turning the investor, investor, like everything was like completely burned on the ship. And by the time they brought the fire like under control, all the evidence was almost entirely lost and the delay caused anything useful to be burnt. The delay caused like a bunch of stuff to be burned. Autopsies would later be performed on two of the bodies that they found on the ship. They found um, Mark and his wife who, were, who happened to be shot and killed before the fire started. Um, and then the other six people were all burned beyond recognition. And it is believed that they were murdered shortly after Mark and Irene. And in just moments, eight lives were now taken by a man who was able to sneak on board and through two boats who no one really cared. And he was armed with a pistol and a rifle. The murderer used the shade, used the shade of the night to carry out this crime. And the police felt that Colthurst was the only target and the others were simply just the murderer cleaning up his evidence. Um, and with a bunch of eyewitnesses, the man um, should have been shortly caught, should have been caught shortly after the bodies were discovered. Yet dozens of people searched for this unidentified man. It's assumed he left by taking another boat out of Craig. Um, and also they said he was wearing like all black and like a hat and stuff. So obviously it was pretty hard to recognize him. But two years later, John Kenneth Peel, who was a 24-year-old boatyard worker, was arrested under the suspicion of this murder. They, the police said that Peel had eyewitness and physical evidence against him. Soon sent to his arraignment in Bellingham, Peel appeared wearing a ski mask in order to protect his identity. Even then, the people of Craig were not pleased. They felt police acted too slowly in arresting Peel. It was so challenging for Peel during his arraignment that a bank in Bellingham refused to open an account for his defense fund. However, people close to Peel defended him in saying he was a good man with good morals, even though he showed up to one of his um, arraignment hearings in a ski mask. But it's like, I'm looking at the photo. It's so funny. He's just saying that the ski mask on. It's very random. <laughs> um, 
but they found that Peel had no criminal history, nor did he have any impulse control issues. Instead, they, it's found that he got married a year before the murders and had a son. Beyond that, there were many opportunities for any witness to say they saw John that day, yet no one did. The police allege that Peel's a good suspect as Coulter's fired Peel for substance abuse, which left the two men on bad terms. However, um, Peel dated Coulter's sister for about three years. Um, and Mark and Irene bought a wedding present for Peel after he was fired. It made sense for the two to remain on good terms since they had similar social circles and they were in the same field, like fishing and stuff. In fact, Peel was allegedly seen speaking with Colt Hurst at the restaurant just the night before the murders with no disagreement. But I feel like he would probably be nice to him the night before he murders his whole family, his crewmates. Um, yet Peel's prior firing caused the police to create a motive that would seemingly make Peel guilty. Investig investigators claimed that Peel was upset about being fired and he held that resentment for over a year. After encountering Colthurst at the restaurant, Peel took advantage of the situation. He waited until the storm got worse, climbed aboard the Defiant in the decade to get to the investor, and he encountered Colthurst and his wife, who were both intoxicated at the time. All the adults were obviously besides the children, and the children were like five and four at the time, so obviously they really couldn't do anything. Also, mind you, his wife was pregnant at the time. <laughs> Um, so when he entered the Colhurst, him and his wife were both intoxicated. He fought with them and killed them both in a fit of rage. Afterwards, he would go throughout the ship and kill anyone who was alive. Once everything was done, Peel waited until the morning, drifted the boat away in silence, waited a day, went to the store, bought the gasoline, and then set the boat on fire. Um, according to the police. Um, and then for the trial, um, they weren't trying to look at who was guilty. They were just trying to see what charges they could be pressed against him. And the lawyers for the defense lawyers for Peel could argue that because no eyewitness was able to, uh, what's the word? There was no eyewitnesses for Peel. Um, he couldn't have done it. So Peel's lawyers proved that not only was gasoline not used, but instead it could have been kerosene or any type of accelerant due to the residue left behind the fire. With that, the judge dismissed the charges against him, but he could still be tried for this. That October, Hugh Peel was indicted a second time. The prosecutor still had a, better, had a better strategy, but they were still weak. But most of this was just relied on eyewitnesses. Um, and then it a captain claimed he saw Peel drinking alcohol and heard gunshots in the distance. And then another wait, witness at a restaurant um, who was the last person to see the Colthurst family claimed that she saw Peel with them that day. Um, and then before that, there were more witnesses who claimed to suddenly remember information about Peel, but it wasn't discussed in the previous trial. Um, the trial almost took the trial took almost like five years for him and he was mainly on house arrest. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of dollars were spent trying to defend him, but Peel later decided to sue the state for $150 million. In the lawsuit, he had also asked for the investigation to continue. 
However, because the state still believes he was the he is the criminal, the case remains closed to this day. Several years later, after the lawsuit, Peel reached a settlement of nine hundred thousand dollars. It was not close to what Peel was at, to what Peel asked for, but it was something. And then to this day, Alaska still believes that Peel did commit the crime. Um, but some of the questions that were left are. If this many people in Craig saw the man who left the boat, why is it? Why is no one certain it was Peel, and why did Peel ask to continue the investigation? And then Peel responded to that, and he said, "Somebody was responsible for this. Somebody out there knows what happened, but I'm not going to waste uh, any more of my life on it." And that's the end of it. I think he did it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like. He really tried to like show that he's like, oh, it's not me. Like, let's just get the investigation going. And they're all like, yeah, it's you. Like a whole state believes it's you, buddy. Like, uh... yeah. So that was pretty lengthy. That's okay. I can't imagine yeah, it being anybody else. That's crazy though. Maybe the fish. <laughs> they have had enough of it. He just, he's so bold, though. Just be like, nah, it's not me. That's crazy. It's not me. Yeah, just I know. I thought that there was no. It was kind of random, too. And as I was reading the case, I thought and it would have to be. The fact that some... just be no one would. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think my dad's walking in. <laughs> but no one was there at the scene. That's mm-hmm. the only reason why he wasn't convicted yeah. or indicted i guess i don't really remember the word yeah and then the they said the that's people just like crazy defiant. i watched too much svu <laughs> yeah because they said the people in the other ships were like intoxicated so they probably had no idea what was going on i just oh my muted gosh. myself to burp if that if i ever get killed on a boat um please please make sure that you remember who you see there if I ever get killed on a boat, it it was most definitely Peel. I know he tried to sue the whole state of Alaska for like a hundred. I know that's so bold of him. I know his I was whole like, chest. He's, he's like a hundred dollars. I was like, okay, you go, buddy. Oh, John Kenneth Peel, that was him. Yes, he killed me on a boat and yeah the fact that he just kind of like let the boat go out and they're like oh they're probably just doing some early fishing and then he was like nope i'm gonna set this boat on fire so stupid yeah and like they couldn't even like it's like they like found the kids but like they couldn't even like do autopsies on them because they were like burned beyond recognition now why would he do that though i think he was just like oh shoot like i don't want them to like you know, like, wrap me out, so I'm going to mm. kill them. That's what they think he did. Like, they're like, oh, okay, like, uh, they're here. Um, you know what I'm saying? But, like, kind of extreme. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> and I haven't killed anyone before, so. I don't yeah. know, Lauren. You haven't murdered anyone before, have you? Yeah. So you yeah. understand if you haven't murdered anyone. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I'm pretty sure his boat was like eight hundred like fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Omg, minus yeah. two. Oh no. I mean, That's it's so expensive. I like how tons of people died, and then oh, boat. Expensive. Not the boat. It's so expensive. Were there fish the boat on okay? the boat? Were there fish on the boat? Are the fish okay? Yeah, the fish okay. <laughs> Do they still go fishing? How will capitalism survive after this? So it true. It stopped actually. It's still the stock market crashed. <laughs> and like yeah, they didn't yeah. obviously since like Alaska is like it's like more like hidden away. They didn't like have as much. And also, I think this happened like in the nineteen. 19- 1982 um yeah so like and they even had like forensic scientists come out and they like couldn't even like do the evidence because it was that bad mm. like, the only thing they found just like were gunshots across the body but i do oh, think it's no. mr peel yikes yeah obviously anyway that today <laughs> A little bit emotionally draining, everyone. That was today. lots of murders. Get it together, yeah. Right? Hopefully next <laughs> week, um, people will be here. So I'm hoping for. Um, that's what we saw. That's what we said last week. Last yeah. week it was only me and Amani. <laughs> okay, but I said mine in advance, unlike others. That was really mean. Omg, omg. Listen, I don't mind. Last week was a tough week. Okay. Yeah. Shots fired. Every week is a little, it's a little tough, Brandon. It is a little tough. Okay, okay. It's a little tough. <laughs> I'm just messing around. I'm a little tough. No, you can't see, but I'm flexing. Oh, this makes well, my arm look Maggie really up. short. What'd you say, Brandon? I'm Brand? definitely gonna beat Maggie up. Do I have? Uh, I'm playing Snake right now. So Omg. Grounded. No iPad. Two weeks. I'm done with people playing games during the podcast. Goodbye, everyone. We will see you next week. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Maggie will not be here. Maggie is grounded. This has been the Armchair Detective <laughs> Podcast. Toodles. Bye. Ew. Oh, my God.